the Spring Hills podcast. Today we're going to be talking about defending your faith. So I've brought with me John Knapp and Brett Avlakeotis. They are going to be talking with me today. I'm going to ask them some questions, uh, and we're going to talk about how to defend your faith. So we're going to get some basic questions out. This is going to be a multi-part uh, series. I guess Garrett Ward's going to join us in on part two. We're going to be talking a little bit more about other religions as well within that one. Uh, but we're going to talk today about some basic questions that uh, some people have been getting from their friends, from family, about different things that have to do with uh, God existing, the Bible being true, things like that. So, um, Brett, John, thank you for being here. It's always a pleasure. Appreciate it. Brett's happy. He's on the couch. Yes, I like the new setup for podcasts. <laughs> I'm in a reclining fashion right now. Very comfortable. <laughs> Very comfy. Yeah, I'm the only one that doesn't like this. Everybody else that comes in is like, this is nice. I'm like, I don't like this. Uh, All right, so we're going to talk about defending your faith. We're going to start with uh, the question that is probably the most uh, basic question of this, which is how do we know that God exists? What's the proof in that? It's a a question a lot of people ask. A lot of people ask that question, right? And so you want to be able to answer the types of questions like these to really help people move on to the next step beyond, you know, just does God exist? I think... You know, there's there's a there's a if it's a basic question, it should probably come back with a, a basic answer. You know, God has revealed Himself. You know, in many ways, I think some the most basic ways. I think you look at creation, right? You kind of look at Romans chapter one, talking about um, you know creation, declaring His glory in Psalm 19. Um, I think you see that in creation, it reflects who God is. You see a Creator. The creator or the creation came from somewhere. Um, I think you also uh, recognize that, uh, you know, God exists through um, the scripture. You know, God's word is another way of, you know, knowing that God exists. He's spoken and he speaks through his word. And then I think the greatest one of all, best for last, would be the person and work of Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, God with us. Yeah, you mentioned two really key passages. Uh, one is in Romans chapter 1, verse 20, uh, which says, For his invisible attributes, God's, namely his eternal power, divine nature, have been clearly perceived. Clearly. Yeah, yeah. Underline the word clearly perceived ever since uh, the creation of the world in the things that have been made so that they are without excuse. And then you mentioned the Psalm 19 passage, the heavens declare the glory of God. Uh, But creation itself is a very strong proof, uh, one of the reasons why we believe that God exists. Or you could say, you know, an intelligence exists. Um, Yeah, you might hear the phrase intelligent design. Yeah, intelligent design. uh, The logic of it goes like this. Every design has a designer. Yeah. Uh, The world has an amazing design, so therefore the world was designed and really, when you look at the location of the planets uh, and their uh, orbits, etc., you look at the Earth and all the things that are in perfect balance, and we're constantly dealing with, you know, things that get out of balance, and it creates a crisis for us. Whether it's the CO two levels that we're concerned about, or you know, the the ecosystem being thrown out of balance uh, because of the um, an animal going into extinction, whatever it might be, but there's a, there's a beautiful balance. And so uh, the logic would be if there's an, if there's a design, there must be a designer, right? Uh, It can't be, it can't, could not have come out of chaos. Right. uh, Or, uh, you know, somebody who doesn't believe that God exists, which would suggest, 
suggest that all this complexity we see uh, in the design of the universe happened by chance. Yeah. Now there's, uh, I, I don't, there's probably other religions that would also say that there's an intelligent designer, but it's not the God of the Bible. The Bible, right? Right, right. So I think a lot of these questions that I've asked other people is a lot of it comes da- down to, well, I don't, I don't believe the Bible as an authority in my life. So why that that can't be proof as to why the God of the Bible is the one who is the creator. So is there any other way to answer that when somebody says they don't believe that the Bible is the true word of God? So how do we know that God is the one that created? That's a really good question because like the Greeks had all these right. multiple gods and of course in India you have the their Hinduism was filled with gods. So uh, yeah, how do we go from okay, I believe that Someone must, some intelligence must have created us. How do we go from that to the God of the Bible? Um, and, uh, you know, for me, I think when you read the scriptures, it's description of the way life really is, mm-hmm. uh, the problems in the world, why there are problems. I guess we're going to get to that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but why there are problems, uh, the solution to those problems, uh, the Bible's record and account of life in this world is a very accurate uh, account. And so you you might reason, okay, there must be a designer. The Bible says that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then the Bible is such a, an incredible record of reality, life as it really is, that perhaps I would consider that God of the Bible. Well, let's, a, let's maybe jump yeah. to that. How do we know you that know? the Bible is the true word of God? So if somebody's saying, I don't believe the Bible because uh, man wrote it, how did, how did how do we know that the Bible came from the from God's word, right? So um, how do we defend that? How is, how do we know that the Bible is the true word of God? Are you, is that like a question like as opposed to the Quran or as opposed to like sure yeah yeah you know like the Book of Mormon yeah. or that's kind of what I well, was well uh, well how do we know that yeah so yes but how do we know that it's what we're reading in the Bible so it says God created the heavens and the earth right how do we know that that is true mm. you know like we as Christians we have the we we believe that this is the word of God. We have, we know that Brett, you lay it out way better than I'm about to. So I'm going to let you do it. But how many authors there are spread across how many continents over this many years. And you're talking talking reliability. Yes. Yes. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. If you want to take the Bible as a whole, let's just consider it as a book. All right. There's 66 books. Uh, It was written over a period of 1500 years from Moses, you know, to the apostle John, uh, 1500 years years. There are 40 plus authors uh, of the Bible. Uh, The authors uh, did not know each other. Of course, they couldn't over a 1500 year period. Mm. They had uh, different occupations. Some were kings, some were peasants, some were slaves, some were business owners, farmers, uh, many different occupations. Uh, The Bible was written on three different continents, Africa, Europe, Asia, And yet, when you read it, if you think of all those different things, when you read it, it has a beautiful, uh, unfolding, unified message from the first book of the Bible, Genesis, to the end, Mm -hmm. Revelation. And what would be the chances of having 40-plus authors over 1,500 years on three different continents not knowing each other, compiling a book? That has no... Didn't you... Nothing that contradicts... One another. No contradiction. Exactly. So we didn't you we, say it was like if you piled up a silver dollars or something all the way to the moon or something like that and try to pick out the one? Well, that, uh, that's like the that? prophecies. That's right? the prophecies. Oh, the prophecies. That's okay. a different podcast. Yeah. Okay. 
We'll do a prophecies <laughs> podcast. So the Bible claims, okay, so it, the Bible makes its claim that it is the inspired word of God. Right. Second Timothy chapter three, verse 16 in particular, all scripture is inspired by God or breathed out by God. The apostle Peter um, in his second letter, the first chapter talks about how the, pof- the prophets spoke as they were moved along by the Holy Spirit, and nothing they wrote was by the will of man, but it was by the will of God. And then, so you have these, these scriptures that uh, make claim that the Bible is from God, and then you look at the Bible, and as we just um, tried to show, it, it, it sort of testifies to itself. If you want to throw Jesus in there too, uh, he quoted from the prophets in the Old Testament, he quoted from Genesis, Quoted from just about every book in the Bible, he quoted uh, and described the characters in the Old Testament, so he gave credence to it as well. Mm-hmm. Maybe overall, it's going to have to be a person's investigation, and they come to their own conclusion. And there's, I'm, we we're talking about the um, oldest written uh, what uh, scroll, not scrolls. Am I saying scrolls right? <laughs> the Dead Sea Scrolls. Yeah. Well, the well the oldest written original written material. Right? This yes. is the first book that we have in record that's been written, correct? The older New Testament. You're, that's, yeah. Uh, so the New Testament documents, uh, we have copies going all the way back to 100 AD. Yeah. I mean, we have copies of the original. Of the Old Testament, uh, we have copies going all the way back to 250 BC. Okay, so this is where I was so, going with this. So 250 yeah. BC, how do we know that the translation that you have in your lap right there is a reliable translation of that original text? Uh, that's a really good, really good question. So we have uh, over 5,000 copies of the New Testament, different, some are in fragments, some are in whole books. Um, and uh, so you can always, you can compare the copies. It makes for a really good study because if you, if you have 5,000 copies if, you, if we only had one copy, for right. example, then we would never know, right? It's like, is that it? We don't know. But when you have over 5,000 copies of manuscripts uh, in the Bible or in the New Testament, then you can compare them and you can get to, you know, a, a great sense of this, this is accurate. the original. Oh, yeah, this is accurate yeah. because you can compare copies. And then, of course, you mentioned... Um, Historically accurate, not just based on well, the Well, and in of, addition yeah. to that, too, all these, not all of them, but... The, the manuscripts, they're written within a short amount of time. Right. Which greatly increases the amount of accuracy that you would find that that this is 99% correct, right? Or right. Of, of what was going to be said, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and so having all 5,000, like there was writings by like Julius Caesar, right? And other folks that would have like maybe 200 Copies. Yeah, copies, and then the earliest copy over being a like longer period of time, six hundred years right. later. So the Bible having five thousand and in over a shorter, a shorter amount of time greatly, and the Bible is the one book that has stood the test of time to everyone's ridicule and everyone's doubts and everyone's oh, it's you know, been looked over, yeah, critiques, mm-hmm. yeah. bestseller every year, right? Yeah, um, yeah. The Bible is always something. When I have conversation with people, I had a conversation with a guy years ago, uh, and I'm talking. He was we were talking about creation. And so I'm giving him scripture. He's just like, but I don't, scripture doesn't mean anything to me because yeah. I don't, that, that that's not the authority that I live by. And he was Muslim. So the Quran, they think, right? Yeah. So, or Sikh, he was Sikh. So uh, whatever, he, you know, that's not the authority that he goes by. So me giving him scripture, you just didn't matter to him. So yeah. then the, the 
other aspect of like, well, here's how the Bible, this is why the Bible's true, is this argument of, or not even an argument, this fact that the Bible yeah. has been written uh, 5,000 copies within a short span of time and uh, the, the historical accuracy of it. Um, yeah, and then also you look at the inspiration of the Bible. Right. Right, and then the prophets prophesying things coming true, you know, and then things from, you know, what's being prophesied, prophesied about Jesus coming to pass over 270 or so, you know, prophecies that Jesus fulfills, right? So you have that part of it, giving the miracles that happen. I mean, the, all that shows a authority to the Bible being reliable, being powerful, being, you know, from God, as opposed to, you know, the Quran or from like the, um, you know, Book of Mormon, which, you know, guys like Joseph Smith set out to, you know, prophesy certain things that did not come to pass, right. you know, to say that right. Jesus was going to come back in, you know, whatever year it was that he was said, and it didn't happen. Right. So by the fact that it did happen when the inspired word was written and, you know. That's a really good, right? that's a really good, uh, another uh, proof for the Bible being God's word is fulfilled prophecy. Uh, that's, you could read in the book of Isaiah, for example, um, Isaiah 53, written some 700 years before Christ came. And uh, you see real detailed descriptions of what Jesus would do for us on the cross. And Isaiah 61 talks about where he's going to come from and what he's going to do. And very, very uh, stark detail. And then the fulfillment of those prophecies in the New Testament uh, just says, God wrote this. This is obviously... Um, could not have happened by chance. And that's where the, the silver yes, dollar is. that's where the silver dollar And I think you said is. it was like even, because how many, how many prophecies do you say there are? 300 and? Yeah, there's over 300. Is there some, over 300? Yeah, some uh, have it upwards. And of, you you did the odds for only like. Eight of them. Eight of them coming coming true, yeah, right? And like it was it was a ridiculous analogy. Ten, yeah, 10 to the 45th power. One in 10 to the 45th power. And mm. there are scientists who have calculated the probability of eight prophecies being fulfilled in one person, um, like in the case of Jesus, and it is one in 10 to the 45th power, which is a crazy number. You take the state of Texas. Oh, that's what it was. Silver dollars, two feet deep, mark one of them. Um, and blindfold somebody. And right? blindfold somebody. And Turn them around out. 15 times. Yeah. Have <laughs> them go out and pick, you know, pick one, pick the silver dollar that has, that has been marked. And that's um, only eight. That's eight. No, it's, 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 it's. Imagine over 300. Yeah. So well, it's, we're talking it's the world, crazy. right? Cover the entire surface of the world and yeah, silver yeah. dollars. A well, mile like, deep. and even every, it gets to be like. I was going to say, add one more, add a nine. The numbers go oh, up yeah, yeah. 10. Oh, yeah. You know. it's, it's crazy because we know there's a one in, what is there, a one in uh, two chance you're going to flip a coin, right, and get heads. Mm -hmm. A 50, 50, 50, 50, you know, one and two. And we try that and you, you know, you can hardly get, you can't get that to come up five times in a row. It's no. just, so, you know, anyways. Yeah. Um, let's move on to this. Then we talked about it uh, briefly. We mentioned it is if God exists, why is there so much evil and pain and suffering in the world? Like war, mm -hmm. disease, hunger. Why are there hungry people? If God is such a loving God, why are there hungry people anywhere? Or why are, why is there war? Why is there disease? Why do we get sick? 
Um, and yeah, so what's the answer to that? So, you know, God the Bible, the God. Bible's description of that is that man was created not for that. Right. Um, but for a paradise, for eternal life. A man was created by God uh, not to have sickness, not to have death, not to have all you see in the world today. Um, but God also created man. And the Bi- this is the Bible's description of it now. When I so say, you're referencing Genesis 1 and 2. Yeah, Genesis 1 and 2, that ideal paradise that God created. And, and uh, then, uh, but God also created man with free will, the opportunity, the freedom to choose him and to obey him. And essentially, uh, man decided to um, disobey God and sort of be his own God, I guess, if you will. Mm-hmm. And the result of sin was separation from God, and the result of that separation from God is all that we see in the world today. So um, the Bible's description of why they're suffering ultimately is because of man's separation from God. And do kind of being, being his own God, you know? I was just going to answer, yeah, sin. I mean, it's yeah. just, it's sin. It's rebellion of God. It's wanting to do its own thing. You know, man wanting to make up its own mind, not uh, not follow what God has laid out. You know, Adam and Well, Eve, essentially, Adam and Eve with the apple, they wanted to know what God knew, right? Well, yeah. to, they were tempted by the devil to not trust that God was truly giving them everything that, was good for them, right? you know? Yeah, it's the consequences that inevitably come into a life that decides, I don't want God, I don't want his ways, I want to do what I want to do. Okay, well, people are free to do that, but there, w- there will be consequences for going in that direction, and that's what you see in the world uh, today. And even creation itself, the Bible says, has been affected by man's sin, Mm-hmm. Uh, so that in Romans chapter 8, it says the whole creation is groaning mm-hmm. for um, its own freedom from the corruption that was subjected to it because of man's uh, sin. So whether it's the environment, uh, nature, or man's animals, condition, yeah. animals, I mean, yeah. and then we grow old and we die and, mm. and sickness has come into the world, it's all because of a man's separation and rebellion ultimately from God. And I've had somebody even ask the question, but if God loves you so much, why would he let that, well, your consequence be so bad and have all this stuff here on earth, the disease and and the hunger and the war. And I usually use the analogy of a parent. Well, if I never disciplined my kids, if I never gave them a consequence for anything that they did, my kids would just be doing whatever they wanted. My kids would run into the street. They would, they'd end up getting, they'd hurt themselves, first of all. And they'd have no consequences ever. How would they? How would their life turn out? And usually, you know, especially parents, they can usually respond to that. Be like, okay, okay, they get an idea of it. But yeah, why wouldn't God just fix all of this instead of letting us suffer our consequences? Yeah, it's he kind loves of a, us so much. It kind of goes back though to that free will thing, right? Yeah. God, God interjecting Himself and just doing it all takes our free will out of the picture and creates us as drones or as robots, right? Who don't don't have this capacity to have an authentic, real, loving relationship with our Creator. That's that's ultimately that that free will. It's a it's a wonderful expression of God's love for us that He gives us the opportunity to choose. Right. And to your point, Garrett, and, and that's that's really good. And um, 
And people want that. They want, I want to have freedom. They want yeah. that. Okay, well, <laughs> you got it. Two sides to it. Yeah, there's two sides of it, to it. But to your point, Garrett, it's like, why so much pain? Well, if in God's grace and severe mercy, if that pain drives a person to find reconciliation to God through Christ because they want, mm-hmm. you know, the forgiveness and they want the um, relationship with God that they so... Uh, feel desperate for, then that's a good thing. It's like C.S. Lewis's famous quote, you know, God whispers to us in our pleasures. He speaks to us in our our conscience and he shouts to us in our pain. Mm. Um, but it would be just that God just whispering in pleasure, right? But there's pain. You go, I hear you. Mm-hmm. Um, so a severe mercy uh, to allow things to happen. And it's all I think, you know, but man will, in some cases, just hardens his heart all the more, which is sad. What about with people that believers? So we've got um, we've got a church full of people that believe uh, and have a relationship with Christ. They're still going to be suffering in their lives. They're still going to lose loved ones. They're going to um, see disease. They're going to have, um, I mean, they're going to see war. Some people have been in war. Some people have kids that are uh, that will go overseas and fight in wars, and they're Christians. It's like, why do Christians also suffer this consequence? Yeah, we're, I wish we could uh, check out as soon as a person becomes a Christian. I wish they there was a bubble, right? Yeah, yeah a bubble. some sort of bubble you can, you know, create around yourself when you accept the Lord Jesus. But, I mean, Jesus even said that, you know, in John 16, in this life you will have many troubles, but take heart, I've overcome the world, right? And I wanted to, you know— Make, I mean, gosh, I think about all the pain and suffering, and it makes the gospel such a sweeter, more amazing gift from God, that even though we willingly rebel and say no to, to him and to his ways and to his kindness and his love and mercy, he still has offered his son, Jesus Christ, on our behalf to, to, to reconcile, to, to, to make us right again with him, and although this side of heaven, we're not going to experience complete peace um, from this world and the difficulties of it, um, we are, you know, reminded that we, you know, have this treasure within us, you know, and although we're pressed on every side and we're crushed and we're struck down in this life, we're not destroyed because of Christ, the treasure within us, mm-hmm. which allows us to endure. And so, you know, the best thing we can, you know, be mindful of is that, you know, when we go through difficult times, you know, it's, it consider it pure joy, you know, my brothers and sisters, you know, it's the forming of your faith. It's kind of yeah. a weird way to look around, look at it, but you know, it's the, it's the renewing. It's also not your, easy. It's not easy, but it's, it would be the one who's God, who God has transformed their mind into a new way of seeing that, you know, their life is, God didn't save them so that they could live a comfortable life, right? Right. Uh, but he gives them things to comfort them in the midst of their pain, which right. is himself. And, and we've seen people go through trials and they end up walking away from the church. They walk away from their faith. And I mean, to me, I'm always just like, I don't think they really understood the gospel then, because if you're going to walk away from it, just when you something hard comes up, we're not going to be in a bubble as soon as you become a Christian, right? You're still, when trials come your way, not mm-hmm. if, when trials come your way, consider an opportunity for joy. Your your faith will be strengthened, and I think we've seen that with people going through tough times. And I'll use um, 
I'll use my my wife as an example just because I know that when her dad passed away when she was young, her relationship with God was strengthened because that's where she went in her grief. Right. And she went to the Bible, she went to God, she went to prayer, and mm-hmm. that's where she went. If the, if you go to the world, then you're just going to experience more pain, more suffering, and you're not going to have your faith strengthened if you're going to just go to, I don't know, go to the bar or something like that and drink your sorrows away. Yeah, and you see some people, you know, you they, they're Christians now. I'm, I'm thinking of Christians that mm-hmm. go through really difficult circumstances. They get cancer, they mm-hmm. um, they come down with a disease or a, a loved one that they're so close to dies of of something or other and they so they go through they have a car accident and someone dies. Uh, they, these kind of really difficult things and you think to yourself for this Christian, oh, I bet they're really questioning God and they're questioning their faith. And in some cases they do, as you mentioned, but but a lot of times you talk to them and they say, you know what? My faith has never been stronger. God's presence has never been more real. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, have, I have grown so much in my sense of God's providence and care and provision and on and on. I mean, it's like, and some people even say, I wouldn't trade it because... Mm of the difference it's made in my life spiritually. So um, that you'll find that probably more often than not. When you think that that Christian would be have every reason to say, forget redo. this. <laughs> yeah, redo. You talk to him, and it's just the opposite. Mm. Yeah. That's God working all things, right? Right. 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 Well, let's, uh, let's I want to ask, let's see, two more questions. I think we got a little bit more time. Um, we uh, I want to ask the question, which is how could a loving God send people to hell. We're already kind of on the so- the subject mm-hmm. of the consequences, right? And this is our consequence of not choosing our free will, not yeah. choosing to follow God, to accept his son, right? Yeah. That's a tough one. I mean, I admit it. It's a tough one. Um, sure. Especially if it's a loved one of yours that yeah, you know. Yeah. I mean, anybody who asks that question, I think uh, I understand that it's a uh, and uh, I almost, in my own mind, I'm like, you know, I think when, when we're in God's presence and when uh, this earth is over and we have the eternal state, the new heaven, the new earth. I think um, everything that God does and we will we'll just know that uh, he's righteous, he's good, he's right in what he does. I mean, this side of, uh, this side of heaven and living on this earth and thinking about certain things that God, who God is or what God mm-hmm. does um, can be really tough to, um, you know, it's like, why, God, if I was in charge, I'd do this or I'd do that. But it's ultimately we, we have things like that that we have to trust his His righteousness, his justice, his holiness, mm-hmm. uh, some character, his character that we really don't fully appreciate, know, or even understand. So, yeah, and, and then others have said this. I've heard, well, you know, if somebody doesn't want God, let's, let's just say they, they sort of reject him. They, I don't want it. I, you know, they spend their whole life doing that. They don't want to die and go glorify God in heaven mm. I mean, and sing yeah. praises mm-hmm. to him with the myriads of angels. They, they don't want to do that. They don't, they don't want to be in his presence. Yeah. So it's almost like God doesn't send anybody to hell. They, they send themselves. I was just going to say that. I, I, I remember when I was in high school and struggling with this exact same question, you know, trying to understand, form, uh, have a spiritual formation of my life. Okay, like, how could God do this, right? 
And I heard a speaker say that God, God doesn't send people to hell. They send themselves. And, you know, uh, there's maybe a nicer way to say that. You know? Right. But in a sense, it's very simplistic. And it's, and it's true that, you know, God is patient, not wanting anyone to perish is what the scriptures tell us. Right. So hell was not something he created wanting people. It was actually created for Satan and for those fallen angels. Right. And initially, but there are people you know, people that will be there, right, that have rejected the gospel, that want nothing to do with with God, and it displays his justice, it displays his holiness and his righteousness. Mm-hmm. I mean, the analogy would be, like Brett's shared it before, and I've heard other speakers share it before, like a judge, a courtroom, you know, those who are on trial and guilty of what they've done, you know, it, they the judgment shall be fair and just for what they've done. It, you wouldn't be a good judge if you just let it go, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's, yeah, and it's not, hell is not like uh, a meeting of the buddies, you know. Some people, if anybody's listening right now, have to understand that the description of it is 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 eternal, eternal torment, you yeah, know. Yeah. It's not, uh, hey, I'm going to meet my buddies and we'll play pool and and hang around in the way hell. that some movies have even portrayed it. Yeah, like it's, some it's, kind like, of party. it's like it's a cool place to be in hell. It's not. Um, and um, but you don't have to go there. You know, if you've heard you've heard the gospel, God sent his son into the world uh, because mm-hmm. he loves you. He loves he doesn't want anyone to perish, but all to come to repentance, to change their mind and to find salvation in Jesus. And I, I it. As crazy as the whole, you know, eternal punishment is to me, it's crazy. Why would why would people reject the love of God in Jesus Christ? I can't even figure. I can't figure that out. Mm-hmm. That's as much a mystery to me as as the things I don't understand. Why would you say no right. to eternal life, forgiveness of sins? And I guess it gets down to the the heart of uh, of men in separation and rebellion against God. They yeah. will shake their fist at God all the way through. And the own, enemy has deceived them. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Pride. Yeah. And given them all these things in the world to say, here, this will make you happy. This will, this will fix your problems. Um, well, Hey, thank you both for being here for, for part one, part two. We're going to, uh, I know Garrett Ward's going to be here. I haven't scheduled this with either of you guys yet, but I'll uh, try to get one of you here as well. Um, but uh, I'm going to ask some questions to, keep going on with this conversation, which is stuff like, how do we know that a relationship with Christ is the only way to heaven when other religions are also claiming that, hey, here's the way to to get to paradise or get to, to heaven? Um, and then, John, you mentioned a second ago people that have rejected the gospel, and a question that I've heard a lot is, what about people that have never heard the gospel? Mm-hmm. What happens to those people? So um, we're going to talk about those questions, but before uh, we get going, I know you, you're never going to get all your answers from a 30-minute podcast uh with us but what kind of i know got questions is something we've mentioned in the past when we've done some of these questions episodes uh so gotquestions.org is a cool resource um you can go in there and go or look for not google it but search for your question if it doesn't exist they've got a team of pastors that uh, will answer your question i've done this a couple times they get you an answer within a few days and it is uh it's drenched in scripture which is really cool um it's it's all it's very well thought out very well uh written so um but a lot of questions exist on there any other resources that you two would recommend for somebody that's uh, that wants to know better how to defend their faith? One of my favorite books is uh, by um, 
Norman Geisler, it's called, I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist. Uh, if you haven't read yeah. that book, I would encourage you to. It's, You've mentioned that a few times, too. I, I love that book, yeah. I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist. Also, Paul Little wrote two books that are good, Know What You Believe and Know Why You Believe It. Um, and he, it's a much, much smaller uh, book, Know Why You Believe, but he answers, uh, de- delves into some of the things who, we've been talking about Who wrote about the, today. I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist? Uh, Norman? Norman Geisler. Geisler, okay. Yeah. Cool. John, anything? No, I mean, I've read that book, the Norman Geisler one. That one's good. I can't think of the name of the top of my head, but there's there's so many great apologetic. Lee Strobel stuff. Cr- oh, like Case for, for Christ, Creator. Yeah. Case for Christ, Case for Easter, Case, case for Christmas, I'm sure is out there too. <laughs> yeah, he's got cases. <laughs> he's, yeah. he's, got, he's got cases and cases. But, uh, case for Thanksgiving. Which is, is great that? because, you know, this guy's testimony is that he, he actually set out to debunk, to continue to not believe that Christ existed and who he was and what he did. And he ended up coming to faith in Christ as a result of his research and his looking into it. So awesome. Questions are a good thing. Yes. Pursue them. Yes. Pursue them. Find your answers. Uh, Thank you both for being here. We're going to continue on in this, this podcast topic in the next few weeks here as well. So, all right, guys, see you later.